Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Shane Salk about the challenges and opportunities of leading a team of artists. Shane Salk, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you today. I'm excited to explore the artistic side. You have a unique background, and today we're going to be talking about the challenges and opportunities of leading a team of artists, uh, and whether or not you know listeners are leading teams of artists or not. I think we all want creative uh, people. We all want to have innovation on our teams. And so I think much of what we're going to be discussing today uh, will really uh, be useful to, to everyone who is listening. So Shane, thank you for joining me. As we get started, I wanted to share Shane's bio with everybody. Shane Salk is owner and partner in Shane Salk Productions and is an award-winning audio drama creator, producer, and sound designer. Shane's projects now have over 200 million impressions spanning more than 150 countries around the world. Having graduated from Chapman University with a BFA, acting has always been Shane's first love, something he was able to incorporate into his productions. Having grown up listening to old-time audio, Shane has a unique perspective on updating the medium and learning from the past. What a tremendous background. Uh, anything else you would like to add by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in? Uh, no, I mean, that's that every uh, when people read a bio of mine, I always feel really good because it never feels like I've done anything. <laughs> then they read a bio, it's like when you put it all together very quickly, it sounds very impressive sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the long arc of our lives, you're right, like day to day, like sometimes it just feels like we're kind of floating through life. And then, yeah, all of a sudden you look back 10, 20 years and you're like, wow, I've actually done some things, I've Im- impacted some people. So, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> So that's great. I used to I used to wear a diaper like a long time ago, and now I can stand. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, <laughs> so why don't you give us a little uh, just background in terms of, you know, you 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 have a drama background. You've been uh, in the the space of audio design and, and mm-hmm. creative the creative space for a long time. So really, what got you there? Why have you stayed there? Uh, and then we can start to talk about your team and, and the, the challenges and opportunities of leading a really highly creative artistic team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, my, my background is, is theater and performing. Um, I went to school for that. I have a, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Theater Performance. Um, and I, I did a lot of films and, and short films and web things and some TV and stuff like that. And um, when I graduated college, it was 2008 and anybody that that's old enough to remember that time in the workforce it was not great um and especially coming out of of like a theater school looking for acting work um all of the money was out of the arts it was out of 
theaters, you know, all these theaters that used to, to do equity shows and pay, you know, professional wages couldn't do it anymore. And it was really hard. Um, me and a buddy started doing a, an audio series um, back in 2008, 2009, just out of the sort of the, well, we don't have to sell this. We can produce this ourselves. And it did very well. And I had such a background in listening to audio that it, it, we, we ran with it and did very well have always sort of been somebody who the I always believed the more you know about everything, the better you are at anything. So even while I was um, acting, I was doing um, technical theater, uh, stagecraft, lighting, sound, you know, sound running. I, I, I've done almost every job you can think of in a theater. When I lived in New York, uh, a number of years after I graduated, I that's how I made a living was construction for sets for technical uh, technical theater, lighting, all sound. That's how I made a living while doing the acting thing. Um, and I got, you know, I got into the sound design and sound stuff. I had no background in it whatsoever in college or before, but um, even film editing, I got very tired of having to wait for other people to do things for me. And then sometimes you'd have to wait a long time and I would get it back and I wouldn't like it. So it became sort of a necessity for myself to be like, look, I, I'm, I'm too impatient to, to wait. I will make something and then I can give it to somebody else to master it or something like that. But I had an I had a, a artistic image in my head and I, need, I wanted to be able to put it down as much as I could before, you know, handing it off. Um, so that's really how I got into the design aspect. I used to sit next to people and say, this is what I want to have happen. Uh, we need to add this here. We need to add that there, add this and that. And it just was easier to eventually get in there and, and figure out how the programs work and all that stuff. I literally run a, a recording studio in North Hollywood with no um, uh, official training or, or what do you want to say? Um, but with just knowledge I picked up over the years of how things work and a lot of Googling and a lot of YouTube videos. And, <laughs> you know, it's not necessarily something that people want to hear when they're like, well, how did you do this? I go, I watched a lot of YouTube. And they're like, that <laughs> does not give me confidence. I was like, well, you know what? I'm doing pretty good at this stuff. So you can learn just about <laughs> anything you need to know via YouTube. So <laughs> yeah, people think I'm a genius and it's just because I know how to use Google. Um, so that's sort of, you know, so uh, after that first show, after I, I stopped working on that first show, I, um, spent a number of years trying to raise money for another one because I didn't, you know, I didn't want to bootstrap it as much as I did. I didn't want to have to work as a telemarketer and do something else at the same time. So I spent 10 years developing a story ish, trying to raise money, trying to get people to understand what I was doing. And over that time, I learned more, I read more about business, more about, you know, structures and stuff like that that I had in all of college you know I, I read more and just trying to figure this stuff out my brother you know I read I read you know entrepreneurs for dummies like I went as far as I could um, and then we got the opportunity to take over this space and we raised a little bit of money for Carcerum which is the 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 current show we're, we're working on and um, has been doing very well um, and that's sort of how I've gotten here I mean, I've taken pit stops. I, I worked internationally performing with Disney um, on a cruise ship. Uh, I was their genie on, on their cruise ship for a while, singing and dancing. I worked, performed in New York and Utah and LA and all that stuff. But the quick trajectory was is sort of that story there. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that's super interesting. And uh, jack of all trades. I think that's wonderful. Just a constant lifelong learner. Uh, yeah. there's no, no shame in, in uh, Googling things and checking out YouTube. Uh, I, I do that all the time as well. Yeah. And, you know, I need to figure out how to fix the dishwasher. I can either pay someone hundreds of dollars to come do something, or I can spend 30 minutes watching YouTube videos and try to do it yeah. myself. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, um, so I, I think that's wonderful. And that's actually a good, good lesson for anyone listening. Like there are, there are, there are, you know, some things that, yeah, we want to hire out. We want to have other people do for us, but, you know, especially if we're in a, a position where we're trying, you know, to, to uh, bootstrap a project, we're trying to, uh, you know, we're solopreneurs or entrepreneurs with a small team, you know, you have to learn a lot of different yeah. things. And, and that's, you know, it, it's, it's definitely doable. And you, you know, getting a college degree is one thing, but you can continue to learn and grow as you go and, and, and uh, figure things out as you go. And you should. And, and one of my things, a lot of people talk about college um, and a lot of people don't go and they think that's great. And I, and I have no problem with any of that. One of the things that I think is wrong the way we talk about schooling is people talk about what they learned at school and go, well, you're not going to use that. I learned this outside. And I don't think school is always about that. I think a lot of what the differences that I see in some people, and this doesn't have to do with like what school you go to and like, oh, it's Harvard and you know, it's a great school, but it, th these things don't mean as much. I think it's a lot more about you learn different ways to think and processes to get to a conclusion. And I think that is something that people don't necessarily think about when they think about either higher education or even just lower education. I assume, is that what you call lower education? Is, is like high school considered lower K, education? K I've never 12, heard. Yeah. Is that lower education? Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> I just pulled that out of my head and I was like, oh, that's, that sounds bad. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's getting your brain to find different ways of processing problems and different ways to think about things. It's not necessarily about remembering you know, when World War One started or, or any of that stuff. Um, so that's just always something that I always find very fascinating when, when you hear certain, you know, big millionaires and, and self-help people talk about like, you don't need this. I didn't do this. You know, I'm like, well, it's not about that. You found, you had a way of processing and thinking that was different that worked for you. But a lot of people, that's what it's about. It's about shaping your brain instead of, um, picking up all the knowledge in the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm a university professor, so I hope I didn't oh, come across, I, I hope I didn't come across as though I was poo-pooing <laughs> higher ed no. or, or university college uh not at all because that's I completely agree with you. And I think it's important to point out, you know, for every Steve Jobs, <clears throat> excuse me, every Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, mm -hmm. uh, Bill Gates that there is, you know, uh, those who drop out of school or don't go to school. Um, you know, it's a hard road. And let's yeah. not forget also that, you know, those, those three that I just mentioned, they all came from privilege and money. So, well, uh, and they also came and went into fields that weren't really being taught in right. college because yeah. they weren't in existence of how they, how these guys made them grow, which is incredible. That's, you know, you, there, there's a number of other ones where they're like, well, I want to do this kind of design. Well, we don't really teach that because that's not a thing. They're like, well, I might as well just go figure it right. out myself. It's, it's different, you know, 
yeah different brains i like i we do we do live game shows at this studio every other friday or something and the reason we started doing those is just out of necessity because we were during the pandemic we were going crazy and we needed to do something fun um but i had really no experience in live streaming or any of the stuff we did but it kept my brain um you know interested and, and active to try to figure out all of the i had all of these new problems that i found fascinating so i could go well how do we solve these problems with zero money and all this stuff and that same with their brains it's like it kept them interested enough to solve these problems and and that's when google and, and that's when you search you know that's what you know history research is it's not like finding a book and going well oh, okay here it is here's all my research somebody else did it it's going here's 10,000 books and I need one line from this one and I fit it together with one line from that one and one line from this one. And, and that's what entrepreneurship is to me. That's what technology is. That's what, you know, human relationships are a lot of the time. It's not like, what's the one thing it's, it's, yeah. and you know, working with artists, it's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I, that's what I think of when I think of creativity and innovation. I mean, we, so artistics, uh, you know, artistic types, I, I would say, yes, they're creative. Um, yeah individuals uh, but creativity isn't limited to you know people who are in theater or no. musicians or artists right we can all be creative and it's the 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 that the art of creativity and innovation is about pulling disparate pieces of information and finding ways to integrate information in new ways that nobody's thought of before right exactly yeah. exactly to your point and and so we all are capable of doing that and the the best organizations the most creative innovative organizations they're constantly doing that so can i innovate in a way where i come up with out of nowhere some new thought no one's ever even conceived of before in a new, brand new direction no one's ever conceived of before sure i mean that happens but much more often what we're talking about is there's all these things that have been around for a long time and no one has ever thought about how to connect them mm -hmm. <laughs> in a meaningful way that will add value to people or to improve people's lives. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo, if you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations.
Absolutely. One of my favorite quotes, and I have it on like certain websites and stuff, because I just think it's it's on my Instagram even like uh, Sid Caesar, who many people don't know, but is one of the reasons that comedy is it is today. He had a show called uh, My Show of Shows, and he's one of my comedic idols just because his writing team and the people he put together were amazing. But he had a quote that said the first person to invent the wheel was an idiot. The one who invented the other three was a genius. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about, where we have, you know, these these tools and these things that have existed and you go, but how do we put these together? I, I literally use technology that's used for completely separate things to run our game shows because it's, you know, they're for EDM drumming and, and this and that. And I'm like, but I don't have money and I have these things lying around. And this game show that people are like, oh, you have three people running it. We're like, no, we have to have one person running it because we don't have any money. So how do I make it so one person can run this with what technologies and blah, blah, blah. And, and that's, that's, that's inventing. That's the fun part. You know, you don't have to invent the engine every time you want to invent, a, like come up with a new car or invent something. You have like oh great i know what a motor is so how can i utilize this to make a automatic bottle opening machine yeah yeah absolutely <clears throat> well very cool so as we continue uh, let's shift gears a little bit now and talk about your team um you you manage and lead a team of artists and creative people um that poses challenges i suspect but also a, a great deal of opportunity um, so tell us a little bit more about your team and what some of those aspects are that you've experienced over the years? So one of the, the most fascinating things about, I'm a very artistic person myself, and I come from a, a family of doctors and scientists. It's so funny because uh, this is a, it's a joke, but uh, people ask me if I ever wanted to go into science and stuff. And I say, not really. They're geniuses. I know how to have conversations with people. And anybody that knows a lot of scientists will understand that that's a joke. Um, but you talk to you talk to different groups of people differently and artistic people have so much going on in their heads and one of the things that i as a leader or or as a person throughout the years have gotten very good at is working with people who other people can't necessarily work with meaning people with it's not that they have huge egos it's not that they have you know they're they're so self-involved or anything like that which a lot of artists get reputations for it's that they have these images and these these visions in their head that are so clear and they think they're so good that sometimes they don't know how to communicate that to a to a team that's one of the things is it's being around all these artistic people and seeing all the genius that they have to come come up with and being able to take things from, you know, when you have a writer's team and go, oh, that's great. That's great. These two things fit together. That one doesn't really work right now, but being able to communicate with them and with others, this, this overall vision of what's going on. The other thing that I've, I found very fascinating because I've been working on this sort of company and this idea for, for a very long time, not everybody else in the team has, there's no reason that they would. When you're doing an artistic thing like this and you don't have, you know, backing of, of millions of dollars or anything like that, people aren't initially, initially getting involved with you because you're paying them a lot of money. They're getting involved with you because they love what you're doing. Um, I mean, if you look at the cast list for some of our shows, you see that, you know, 
none of these people are getting paid. You know, we have people like Jane Lynch, Neil Flynn. They're not getting paid what they deserve to get paid. They're not getting paid what they get for TV or movies. They're getting the absolute minimum. But they do it because they believe in sort of what we're doing. But the other problem is they have no idea what we're doing. Um, and the the writers and, and my partner, Bill, uh, you know, they, people don't, get come every day to work because they're like oh i see exactly what's happening because nobody can see exactly what's going to happen they're showing up because they believe in the the overall picture or at a very smaller like a very real degree they believe in the leader leading them um and right now a lot of that that's me and my partner bill holmes and that's a lot of pressure. That can be a lot of pressure. And for an entrepreneur starting a new company, it's very similar uh, no matter what industry you're in. Um, you know, you, you're like, look, we're putting together a company that does this. You interview a bunch of people. There's like, you say, look, we can't pay you what a big company who's established is going to pay you. That person goes, okay, I can do this for that amount of money. But really that employee is interviewing the employer almost more than, than the other way around because they go, look, am I, do I believe in this person who has this vision of this company enough to think that this company is going to be around in six months, a year, and that their ego isn't so big that they will trash the company just to satisfy it. If I come up with an idea that's not theirs, they're going to go, screw you, get out of my office, even though it was a great idea. Um, I think personally, I think ego is almost the, is the reason that art, like the death of art is ego to me. Um, and, uh, and I think it, it's, it's a real big problem with a lot of these things, because whether you're an employee or an employer, if you let your ego get involved to a degree of like, well, they didn't like it because it was my idea, or I need this to be in there because it was my idea, you have a problem. Um, and that's one thing that I have been blessed with, with this, with the team that I have is that nobody has that ego to be like, well, if this isn't in there, I'm run, I'm walking away. It's always about the, the product and the show. It's everything comes down to what's best for the show. Um, yeah. And so can yeah. I, can I zoom in on that a little bit? Absolutely. So, so, so <laughs> I it, go off. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's super interesting. You know, you, you attract people, especially in early stages of a small startup, uh, mm -hmm. an entrepreneurial endeavor, a, a really cool new creative project. You attract people because one, they believe in you, right. As the founder or co-founder uh -huh. um, that you mentioned um, Two, they believe in the product, um, whatever you're trying to create. And three, yeah. because it's it's exciting because there's this this energy and this excitement around whatever you're it is you're trying to do yeah. and they believe in it enough um that that they're willing to to take the risk right because it is a risk um and you know maybe they're doing it because they get a little bit of equity in the company and they think the company will grow or maybe they're just they they're doing it because they it's going to be a creative outlet for them or they're going to be able to develop right. themselves position themselves for the next opportunity whatever like there's a, a bunch of different reasons why someone might find that an intriguing opportunity um but the bottom line is uh we we have to be able to tap into those different um types of motivators and it's usually not going to be like the, the best highest paid position. Uh, it's just right. not going to be because that's not, you know, 
the way uh, most new startups are capitalized. And so you, now you're, you're, you're getting this creative group of people together who kind of believe in the vision, they, they, they're excited about it, um, and now they're trying to create together. And like you said, ego can get in the way, either ego of the members of the team or ego uh -huh. of the founder mm -hmm. or co-founders. What have you found to be an approach towards, I guess, one, either figuring that out before you bring someone on you know, who might have a, an unwieldy ego, or uh -huh. if you, if you, once you have the team together and you're starting, you know, you're doing what you're doing, um, an ego starts to manifest itself in unhealthy ways. How do you lead through that and manage that? Well, it really helps that I'm always right. So I don't have that ego and no, I'm just joking. When people come on to, to the company, when I'm directing on a film set or anything like that, I always sort of talk to them and I say, look, I am always open to hear your ideas and i don't want to be the one solving all the problems uh, i i can't be and and especially with artistic stuff i you know if you have something tell me i'll also say i will be the one to ultimately say whether it happens or not um and if i have to look at you and go look we don't have time for this we have to do it this way please you know don't be offended and, and go off but i give people a lot of freedom um we have you know I'm not good at many things. Social media is one of them. I have a lot of ideas on, on how to do things and what, you know, uh, ideas. But somebody comes on and says, well, I want to run the social media. I go, okay, great. This is what I need. I don't know how to do it. Find out how to do it. And they say, well, here's some of ideas that I have and this and that and this and that. I go, try it. I have no idea. If it doesn't sound great to me, I'll still, unless I have like a real big problem with something because it breaks the image of the company or, or something like that, I'll go, let's try it because we're not, we're not hurting anything by trying it. Um, and I think that amount of freedom allows people, I, I really don't want to suppress anybody's ideas because the minute you start doing that, they want, they don't want to come up with them anymore. Um, instead of saying, yeah, I don't like that. Come up with something else. I'll be like, well, what, you know, I'll work and go, well, what if we try this? Let's work together to figure out what we're trying to do with this. People can, can shut down very quickly, especially if, if they don't feel like they're being heard or if they, they, you know, they put in a lot of time and effort to something and then don't, it doesn't get a follow through. And <clears throat> The good thing about the way I, I do it is because I feel people do have this freedom. The bad thing is that sometimes, uh, you know, you can give people too much freedom and we end up, you know, spending a couple, you know, a, a bunch of money on something that doesn't turn out. And I find out, I'm like, yeah, you know, we've had this person for three months over that they've spent this amount of money and really haven't put the time and investment into learning what they were actually supposed to be doing. So it's a balance. It is, we are a small team. If I had, you know, a bigger team, we could not micromanage, but we could have people checking in on them and going, you know, really what is happening here? But I don't regret any of the stuff that we've done because even with the things that didn't pay out and there are people that not necessarily ego, but they just were like, oh, I, I think this is a, you know, you're small time. So we don't have to put as much time and energy into you. We learned a whole lot. We got a lot of information. Um, and sometimes what I learned is, oh, I actually knew more than I thought I did. So when they said this and my instinct was that, I was right. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and if you do find somebody that has that strong ego, eventually I just go, this isn't working. You, yeah. and it's, it's, you don't, you don't, uh, you know, you're, you have too much to give than this company doesn't need. And, and it's just not a good fit. Yeah. And then it's, it's not a personal thing at all. It's just like Mm-mm. alignment. Right. So right. not a good fit with what we need, with what you have to offer. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like releasing the puppy to go off and like live a full life or, or having the bird fly from the nest. And you're like, yeah, exactly. go, go, go fulfill yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, this, <laughs> have a great this sucks. Career. But you know, if they want to be the, the main visionary of the company, I'm like, we have those, we can't yep. have somebody going, yeah, the whole story is terrible. And this, and I'm like, yeah, you can go away now. Yeah. Um, because again, it comes down to ego if, or lack of lack of the team vision. Sure, sure. Well, Shane, it has been a pleasure. This has been a fascinating conversation. I'm going to have to let you go here in just a couple minutes. But before we close, Mm -hmm. yeah, before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Absolutely. Uh, So you can find me on social media at just Shane Salk anywhere. Um, Our our current show is Carcerum, C-A-R-C-E-R-E-M. And you can find that on any podcasting platform. It's a fully immersive cinematic audio series. Uh, it's sort of a mix between Game of Thrones and Princess Bride. It has 120 characters in the first season, fully cinematically sound designed, original music, original story. Um, people like Jane Lynch, Neil Flynn, um, Piper Laurie. Uh, we got so many people. And then voiceover like Pinky and the Brain uh, are both in it. Um, Porky Pig, it's great. And then you can find that at carcerumtheseries.com. That's C-A-R-C-E-R-E-M, theseries.com. And you can find all the information there about it as well. And you can, there's a, there's a contact us there that goes directly to me as well. Wonderful. Thank you, Shane. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Shane can do for you. Check out the podcast and all of the really great things that Shane and his team are doing. And as always, I hope everyone will stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life.
check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.